Sunday, we dealt with the issue of Christmas disappointment. You know, there are times in life when we have to realign our plans with the purpose that God has for His glory. The Christmas narrative, as we saw, is this great example of disappointments that lead to the purpose of God's glory. We don't deny disappointment, but nor do we let our disappointments become something that we wallow in in our lives. Today, I want to talk about the flip side. I want to talk about Christmas joy. You know, Christmas is the season of joy, and I think the great misconception of joy is that it is the same thing as happiness. You know, having happiness, yes, it is the outcome of joy, but it's not the same thing. Happiness is really this fleeting feeling that can happen dependent on the mood that we are in. But joy is something different. Joy is an objective anchor in your life. Joy is something that is unchangeable or can be unchangeable for you because it is based on an unchanging thing that God has done to deliver salvation to sinners like you and to sinners like me. While it is true that there is suffering, there is sorrow, there is pain, there's frustration in this world, maybe even in your life, Maybe your year has not been marked by anything that you would say, I naturally find joy in it, and you've had a tough, tough year. God still commands that you endure all of those things with a rock-solid joy because of what He has delivered through His Son, Jesus. And it's Christmas that we reflect and we celebrate what God has done in delivering Jesus in human form. Messaging that we get all around us in the culture about the Christmas season makes it seem like it should be easy to have joy this time of year, but the world will seek to convince you that Christmas joy is about doing the season right. Something that you have to cultivate. It's something that you have to work towards. And I'll tell you, if your joy is about something that you can accomplish, then there will be what I think is unnecessary disappointment in your life that could absolutely be avoided if only you would anchor your joy to the unchanging reality of what God has done in Jesus Christ. What are some of the, the complaints that we hear during the Christmas season about why you can't have joy? Some people will say that everything is just so busy and hectic. It's just go, go, go. I just need a day off. There are all kinds of obligations that you probably don't feel like participating in, but your wife is going to make you anyway. There are Christmas parties that maybe you don't want to go to them. Maybe there are events that you just don't even feel like being a part of. I mean, some of you are pretty, pretty miserable because you're dreading the extended family stuff that you're going to have to be doing. I mean, you're going to have to see your mother-in-law, and she's going to make the same statement that she made in the last year that just has stuck with you, and it's just eaten you all year long. Who does she think she is? Promise it's not a personal problem. Mine live thousands of miles away. It's wonderful. Oh. Merry Christmas to me. Uh, oftentimes we hear about the dreaded materialism. That everyone is trying to sell you something or everyone is telling you that if you spend this amount of money or if you buy this amount of things, well, you've lost the true meaning of Christmas. And then you will watch a movie or a TV show about recovering the true meaning of Christmas. And then at the end, you're like, I'm pretty sure they don't know what the true meaning of Christmas actually is. And everyone and everything is pulling you in a thousand different directions and all of the stuff just makes you feel like that it's obscuring what it's supposed to be about. 
I want to, of course, remind you of what Christmas is about this morning, but also remind you that joy is not a feeling that you need to seek to conjure up. Rather, joy is just in the fact that God did send his son into this world to redeem. And the mission of Jesus was absolutely successful. And the greatest gift of joy that you can have is only ever going to be found through faith in Jesus Christ. So let's look at a portion of that story in Luke chapter 2. I'm going to start reading in verse 10, but the context is Jesus has been born. I hope you know the narrative. But the angels have actually made themselves appear to the most unlikely of candidates, a group of shepherds out in a field. And in Luke 2 verse 10, it says, And the angel said to them, Fear not, for behold, I bring you good news of great joy. That will be for all the people. For unto you is born this day in the city of David a Savior, who is Christ the Lord. And this will be a sign for you. You will find a baby wrapped in swaddling cloths and lying in a manger. And suddenly there was with the angel a multitude of heavenly hosts, praising God and saying, Glory to God in the highest and on earth peace among those with whom he is pleased. Number one this morning, I want you to understand that Christmas joy is about an event, not a feeling. Christmas joy is about an event and not a feeling. Joy is objective rather than subjective. As I said, happiness is a subjective reality that seems to always be in a state of flux. Yes, your happiness is about a choice that you make and that you have control over, but it does very much tend to change with your mood. That's why we have to understand that while happiness flows out of joy, joy is not something that should be fleeting, dependent upon the mood that you have. It needs to be something that you can point to and say, this is true no matter what happens in my life. And if you spend your season pursuing a feeling that is going to be fleeting, friend, I'll tell you, you're not pursuing joy and you're not going to find the joy that you desire to find. You're just going to find some disappointment. You're going to find maybe a feeling for a moment within the reality of what's actually going on in the world or what's actually going on in your emotions or what's actually going on in your life. It's going to return time and time again. Because the joy of Christmas is based on something more concrete than sentimentality and feelings that you try to resurrect this time of year. Joy must be a permanent thing. That's the point of what the angel says in Luke 2, 10 and 11. Christmas is the celebration of the good news of great joy that God sent his son to become a human being to accomplish. But think about what it is that we celebrate at Christmas. We are talking about the incarnation of Jesus, as we talked about a few weeks ago. Emmanuel, God with us. And while so many think the answer to joy is somehow denying material reality to find that feeling. And the fact is, Christmas is actually all about the material reality of God becoming a human being to save sinners. The angel says good news of great joy, and that means that we celebrate an event with a specific meaning. We're not celebrating some sentimental idea. Our joy comes from the reality of what Christmas is, not the idealism of what we want Christmas to mean or how you want other people to respond to you or how you want other people to react to what you've done for them. Our joy doesn't depend on whether or not we feel right 
about this season or we feel right about any moment of this season because Jesus was born. Our joy doesn't depend on whether our holiday plans go the way that we want. Jesus was born. Christmas isn't some thought. Jesus was born. Christmas is a celebration of something that God did in real time. And this is the season that we point to it and say, God did that. That is reality. It's an event that really happened. That event is full of meaning. Yes, it should have some feelings of gratitude that well up within you. God loves us and sent his son to redeem us. Do you know how big that is? And every year we have the opportunity to, yes, in the face of years where we will have great loss. Years of where we will have pain, years where we will have suffering, years where we will have abundance, years where we point back and we say, this is the best year of my life. And whether it's the best year or the worst year, that changes nothing about what God has already done. At this time of year, we can look at it and can stop being about me and it can just be about the gift that God has given. Because that is what joy really is throughout all of Scripture. Joy has always been, according to Scripture, about what God does for us rather than something that we cultivate on our own or something that we do for Him. The theme of joy runs throughout the entirety of the Bible. No matter where you look, it is always treated objectively and is always treated as something that is in response to the work God does for His people, not the work that His people do for Him. In Nehemiah chapter 8, Ezra has read the book of the law to the nation. And collectively, a great revival breaks out. People repent of sin. They rise up in worship of God. But note what the nation is told. He said to them in verse 10 of Nehemiah 8, Go your way, celebrate, eat the fat, and drink sweet wine and send portions to anyone who has nothing ready. For this day is holy to our God. And don't be grieved for the joy of the Lord is our strength. What a fascinating thing that holiness would lead you to celebration, that holiness would lead you to a feast. The response of the nation was to understand that it is not some kind of solemn attitude that is their strength. No, he says the joy of the Lord is our strength in this specific context people responding to what God has done for them as they are rebuilding. They're not in a great place physically. They are rebuilding the wall under constant threat. Yet because of what God has done for them in revealing himself through the law, they say, let us celebrate the goodness of God. And the Christmas narrative flows out of the exact same idea. The great joy that the angel speaks of is in reference to what God is doing in this event. Again, he is faithful. Friend, regardless of how you feel, regardless of what negativity you are carrying around, the good news of great joy is that God has still accomplished redemption for his people. And nothing that happens in your life can ever negate the event of Jesus Christ's birth. His physical birth, think about it, was necessary for him to do the work of redemption. And that is the anchor of joy for life. And that's why number two this morning, no one should out-celebrate Christians at Christmas. 
No one should have more joy at at Christmas than Christians do. You need to celebrate what God has done for you. I've never met anybody that didn't want to be joyful. I've met a lot of people that weren't joyful. But I've never met anybody that would be like, oh, I don't want joy. But yet even in saying that, they will then follow with a list of a thousand reasons why they aren't joyful, why they can't be joyful. And by the end of it, neither of you are joyful. The only joy you have is walking away. That's because you are allowing the circumstances of life to dictate your joy when the Scripture reminds us over and over it's the joy of the Lord that is our strength. And if the joy of the Lord is our strength, then regardless of what happens in your life, you can have joy. I have enjoyed every moment of my life. I tell people that, and they're like, that's impossible. Have you never had anything bad happen to you? And I'll tell them 17 things bad that have happened to me, and I enjoyed every minute of it. And they say, how? I say, didn't you just hear? Great stories. The reason that I find all of life so enjoyable isn't because I'm happy about everything that happens to me, nor is it because I'm I'm some kind of nutcase who thinks bad things feel good. No, I go through the same pains that everybody else endures. I go through the same losses that everybody else endures. I just do them with a different perspective. Because my perspective is that if Jesus Christ came into this world to redeem sinners, of whom, by the way, I am the foremost, I need his redemption. And he's given it to me. And the fact is that I have a promise from God that everything that I endure in this life is going to be used by him for my good and his glory. But what's interesting is that's the exact same thing that the angels say about the birth of Jesus Christ. Verse 11, when he says he brings good news of great joy, he follows and he says in verse 12, this will be a sign for you. You will find a baby wrapped in swaddling cloths, lying in a manger. That should tell you that even this story isn't the most pleasant of circumstances. Have you ever seen a woman that's like super pregnant? By the way, don't ever say that, but you're definitely thinking it. It's when you look at a woman that's super pregnant and you're like, good Lord. She better get to the hospital. (laughs) She's going to blow. All right. Now, again, don't say these things. All right. But I know you're thinking them and you're sitting there. You're pretending that you don't. You're like, he's a terrible human being. (laughs) Get over it. All right. You think it, too. You're as bad as I am. But that's where Mary was. All right. And then they show up and there's no room for them in the inn. And they have to go to what history tells us is probably a cave like structure. Where the narrative tells us, and I believe the narrative, that is where they actually kept angels. And I don't know if you've been around a woman that's super pregnant, but they're not beacons of positivity. (laughs) Get this thing out of me. (laughs) And of course, the only character that I can empathize with is poor Joseph. (laughs) I believe that he probably had the worst night out of all of them. Think about it. She's super pregnant. She's in labor. He didn't make a reservation. (laughs) Sorry, Mary. I blew it. Sorry. So he's catching the blame. Not only that, but there's no doctors mentioned in the narrative. And I've been in a delivery room. Terrible. (laughs) I was lied to by so many men who owed me better. They owed me the truth. And so for years, I've been telling men the truth. And the wives weren't very happy about it. But I've been honest with them. You're entering into a war zone. 
It's going to be the worst experience of your life. There's nowhere you can hide. There's nowhere you can go. There's so much that you're not going to be able to unsee. No one ever told me the truth, and they owed me the truth. And I always thought in television shows, you know, you stand at the head of the bed, you just don't see anything, and I'm a moron. It's like two feet. There's nowhere to hide. I got some trauma. I'm working through it, though. So Joseph and Mary are in what I believe, if I'm just giving you the human perspective of the story, both of them are in an uncomfortable position that they probably wouldn't have looked at in the moment and said, this is the ideal. This is what we wanted to go through. Yet continue reading verse 13. And suddenly there was with the angel a multitude of heavenly hosts praising God and saying, Glory to God in the highest and on earth peace among those with whom he is pleased. Think about God's perspective on an uncomfortable situation is to look at all these shepherds out in the field and he looks at them and he says, this moment that Mary and Joseph are having is the ultimate display of the glory of God in human history. So yeah, there's some unpleasant things that you go through in life, but God looks at this painful moment for Mary and Joseph and he tells these shepherds, this is the apex of my glory. If God redeems that moment, I am certain that since the text says through my faith in Jesus Christ, I am one of those among whom he is pleased. And every moment of pain in my life is going to be used for his absolute glory, regardless of how I feel about it in the moment. Did you know that according to surveys, 88% of people feel overstressed during the holidays? I mean, it's only 12% of people that are like, awesome. <laughs> yeah. Did you know that married couples fight more during the holidays? Percentage-wise, fight over what to do, how to spend money, extended family issues. They fight even over food during the holiday season. Surveys also show that, think about this, conversations with family is one of the number one stressors that people endure through the holiday season. People are just right now in this room, I don't want to have that talk. Uh, she's coming. <sighs> I know she's coming. The struggle for many is not with all of the worldly elements of Christmas preventing you joy. It's just your life. You carry them into the Christmas season just like you carry them into every season. But here's the deal. They don't have to prevent you from having joy. Because the problem isn't reality. The problem is that you are allowing your vision of celebration to be overtaken. Christmas should be motivated by the joy in the event of Christmas and what God has done. That alone should give you the ability to out-celebrate unbelievers at Christmas time and have put no other qualifications on it, no other context necessary. All of the stuff of the Christmas season is ultimately there as a celebration that Jesus has come, whether the world realizes it or not. And that is what you celebrate. See, our joy 
And what God has done for us should show up everywhere. And not just when we are talking about the specifics of the Christmas story. I mean, think about it. Why do we enjoy time with loved ones? Why do we put effort into decorating our houses? Why do we have special Christmas traditions like Christmas movies and going out on tacky light tours? Why do we eat good food and go to Christmas parties? Why do we give and gratefully receive gifts from friends and loved ones? I'll tell you why. It's not complicated. It's all about what God has done in Jesus Christ. The Luke 2 reveals to us, speaking of the greatest gift that has ever been given to us by God, and we live to celebrate that openly. Because if we believe that, then we should be more joyous and more celebratory than anyone around us. Being a Grinch is sinful. I mean, I got to be honest with you, being a person who tries to make others miserable during the holiday season is sinful. Why would you take the joy of the birth of Jesus Christ and use it as a vehicle by which to make others miserable? What does that say about you? What does that say about your faith? And Christians, super religious Christians, let me tell you, if you make others miserable, by trying to out-holy other people during the Christmas season, that is a sin against God. Because that's not about making God look more glorious. That is about making you feel more righteous. If you look at other people, they go, oh, you took your kids to see Santa Claus? Well, we believe the gospel in my house. <laughs> I also believe my kids are going to love me when they grow up. Yours, not so much. All right? <laughs> So you're writing checks. You're not going to want to cash later, pal. Friends, we have this way of trying to use even the most joyous of seasons as a vehicle by which we try to make others feel bad about themselves. Who do you think you are? This season is not about you. This season is about Jesus Christ. And all of the varieties of ways of celebrating Christmas can have deeper meaning when we know and believe the Christmas narrative. So we should be people who are known for out-celebrating everyone else, not those who are trying to keep everyone's celebrations in check for some reason. Because God is the giver of the greatest gifts. I mean, look at what John 1.14 theologically says about Christmas. The word became flesh and dwelt. Uses Old Testament language, tabernacled among us. In other words, the presence of God was gifted to us and we have seen his glory. Glory is of the only son of the father, full of both grace and truth, inseparable. We couldn't have his glory because of our sin. And God became a human being in order to resolve that problem. What a gift. It's weird that some people think that giving and receiving gifts can somehow distract from God's gift of Jesus. No, your inability to celebrate is the only distraction. Matthew chapter 2, the wise men, the magi, come to the presence of Jesus a few years after his birth. And it says, when they saw the star, they rejoiced exceedingly with great joy. And going into the house, they saw the child with Mary, his mother. And look what happens. They fell down, worshipped him. Then opening their treasures, they offered him gifts, gold, frankincense, and myrrh. These royal gifts, these super expensive, ornate gifts that were for a king. 
You see, friends, when we have a mindset, and I know where it comes from, I get it, where Christmas has too much materialism, that is rooted about you thinking you're going to conjure up a feeling rather than celebrating an event. You need to fight that distraction. This is about the birth of the second person of the Trinity, God incarnate. This is a one time in history deal. You literally cannot go overboard in celebrating that. So what are you so afraid of? Celebration is a material thing. Senses, tastes, locations, games, gifts, yes, even movies, All of these things are the stuff of celebration, and we should learn to enjoy it all as something bigger. Because yes, celebration takes effort. I think effort is the thing that so many of you misunderstand. You think it's the effort that robs you of the joy. Friend, we need to change our mindset about this in order to enjoy Christmas. It isn't the hustle and bustle that is robbing you of joy. I mean, think about the Magi. This wasn't a 15-minute drive across Richmond for them. It took them years to get from their country to the presence of Jesus Christ. That's why we know Jesus wasn't in the manger at this point. He was probably two or three years old by the time they got there. And they had worked for years to get to him. And when they get there, they don't start unloading. We are so exhausted. No, it says they had exceeding joy. They fell and they worshiped him out of that joy. We've become a soft society that assumes that anything that takes too much effort can't bring us joy. No, you are just putting effort into the wrong things. Preparing to worship Jesus requires a lot of effort that cultivates a real life of joy. That's why it fascinates me. Uh, there's so many legalistic things about my upbringing, about the tribe that I was in. But now people have even tried. Uh, this happened to me years ago uh, in, in the church playing network that we were in. They were like, don't use the term Christmas. And I was just like, what are you talking about? It's Advent. Oh, no, 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 Spiritu Santo. I was like, oh, great. The Holy Patrol's here. They're going to out holy my celebration of Christmas. Advent, yes, it's a word that exists. It means arrival. It's not any better, worse than the term Christmas. It's, I think, worse. Because all that it is is an attempt to make yourself feel more religious than everybody else. Yes, it means arrival. The problem isn't the term. The problem is always people ruining something. It is a posture issue. There's a tendency to find meaning in solemnness and seriousness and thinking that God doesn't like your joy-filled celebrations. He wants you sitting all month, every day, lighting candles, being introspective, saying, I must get myself into an attitude where Christ hasn't been born. I will not let myself feel joy until Christmas morn when I say, oh good, Christ has finally been born. Well, carry that into Easter, so I'm also not allowed to admit that he rose from the dead until Easter Sunday. None of this makes any sense, and it makes everyone around you miserable. Yeah, he was born. It's in the book. 
It already happened, and I'm going to celebrate it all month, and I'm not going to pretend that I'm somber and sad that he was born, nor am I going to pretend I don't have electricity by candlelight. I'll never, I'll never understand that. We do so many things to try to make ourselves feel because you think that showing God the happiness that you have in your heart because of all that he has done is somehow less holy than sitting there miserable. Friend, here's the deal. Here's why I call it Christmas. Here's why I don't give in to the religious gospel coalition people around me. Because I'm happy that Jesus Christ was born and I'm going to be happy about it all December and I'm going to be happy about it all January. And guess what? It's going to carry me through 2024 into next Christmas where I'm going to be happy all Christmas again and I'm going to keep calling it Christmas. And you may feel more righteous than me, but my righteousness is not based on anything that I've ever done anyway. It's based in what Jesus has already accomplished for me. And I can't pretend that he hasn't. We don't have to wait to celebrate. Our king has already come. Should we remember our need for Jesus Christ? Of course, don't get me wrong. But the whole season is about joy because we already have Jesus. So we can already celebrate and that is what an unbelieving world needs to see. Number three this morning, joy is a powerful witness to faith in Jesus. I've never found being solemn to be a powerful witness. I've seen being solemn make people not want to talk to me very much. But joy is always a powerful aesthetic that invites people to take part in something that will give them gain in their lives. Just before the familiar narrative of Luke 2, there's a narrative of the birth of John the Baptist in Luke 1. And I want to read the response of John the Baptist's father. He prophesied starting in Luke 1:67 at the birth of his son. The text says this, his father Zechariah was filled with the Holy Spirit and prophesied saying, blessed be the Lord God of Israel for he has visited and redeemed his people and he's raised up a horn of salvation for us in the house of his servant David as he spoke by the mouth of his holy prophets from of old that we should be saved from our enemies and from the hand of, the, of all who hate us to show the mercy promised to our fathers and to remember his holy covenant, the oath that he swore to our father Abraham to grant us that we, being delivered from the hand of our enemies, might serve him without fear and holiness and righteousness before him all our days. And you, child, will be called the prophet of the Most High, for you will go before the Lord to prepare his ways, to give knowledge of salvation to his people and the forgiveness of their sins because of the tender mercy of our God, whereby the sunrise shall visit us from on high to give light to those who sit in darkness and in the shadow of death, to give our feet, excuse me, to guide our feet into the way of peace. You are not John the Baptist. I don't know if it's a shock to you. But the way has already been prepared. Christ came. was born into this world, lived a perfect life, died the death that sinners like you and me deserve. And he did that to pay the penalty for our sin. And then he rose from the dead on the third day, winning victory over sin and death in the world for all time. 
But the mission that was given to John the Baptist isn't something that we prepare. It's something that we live in the thick of every single day. The Bible never glosses over the pain of the world. If you read the end there, you know that it's very honest. It says there are people sitting in darkness in the shadow of death. If you've ever felt in the dark, how joyous is it when the light of the gospel of Jesus Christ shines on your soul? Our joy is a message to the world that Jesus saves. Learning to be joyful, and it is something that needs to be learned, by the way, is an act of worship and mission. As I said, celebration takes effort. It's a habit that needs to be formed. There's so much that could distract us from joy, and there's so much that can preoccupy us in grumbling because of the curse of sin. But right there in Luke chapter 2, when those angels join together and they begin to sing about the glory of God, understand that that glory was brought by Jesus Christ when he paid the peace and the price for our redemption. He brings the peace of reconciliation with God. He brings the peace of realizing that our God is in the heavens and he is ruling and reigning over all of this earth and will for all eternity. That must be something that gives you joy, friend. And if it doesn't, do you believe it? Are you overcome by pain or are you overwhelmed by the joy of Jesus Christ even in the midst of pain? I love the song, Joy to the World. The third verse states, He rules the world with truth and grace and makes the nations prove the glories of His righteousness and wonders of His love. Let earth receive her King. Let every heart prepare Him room. Do you have that joy? Will you live with that joy? Well, friend, if you will, you will celebrate Christmas loud and proud. You will out-celebrate everyone else so that all will know who has been given unshakable joy, but also how they themselves can have unshakable joy. A few application points this morning. Live with the joy that Jesus was born to save you. What greater gift is there? Secondly, learn to celebrate with joy. Celebration is an art. And when you're a person like me, I don't necessarily wear my feelings on the outside, except for when I put these suits on. You need to learn to celebrate. Thirdly, refuse to be a Grinch. It's going to happen. The temptation is going to be there. Fight it with the joy of the Lord. Fourthly, use joy as evangelism. What a great opportunity you have this season to tell others why you have joy. And then finally, declare the joy of Jesus, the King. Our God is in the heavens. 
He does all that he pleases, and it pleases him to save sinners. Sinners.